It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a calm, mundane conversation to help you, you know, relax and hopefully find your way to sleep. I'm your host, Marco Timpano, and joining me is me, Amanda Barker. And uh, Amanda, I wanted to talk to you about approach. Approach? Yeah, so for example, how do you approach a magazine, let's say? Oh, well, you know, it's interesting that you say that or ask that. I didn't, of course, know what was coming today. Right. And I uh, I don't know how I got the idea of approach, but there's two things that I want to okay. know how you approach. And one is well, magazines. Well, I actually will start answering that by telling you about my mother, okay. Valerie. She loved magazines. Still, and still does. Still does, actually, yeah. And as a kid, I would see her magazines coming in to the mail all the time and that's my, my coffee cup hitting the saucer <laughs> sorry about that my mother uh would always approach a magazine starting from the back first oh really i didn't know that yeah and i'm not sure what the connection is in this but she always said it was because she was left-handed okay <laughs> i don't know i usually don't. I usually get very excited when I see the cover of a magazine. Yes, you do. Because I've inherited this love of magazines for a few reasons. From my mother, but also from my time in Korea. That's when I really, magazines really became a treat for me. I see. Uh, because at the time... You're talking about English magazines. Mag- magazines yeah. English, yeah. Right. So when I lived in Korea, and this is now um, 23 years ago, 22 years ago, um where I was in Korea, English magazines, English reading material wasn't super easy to come by. It involved a trip into the city, which was Seoul, um, and the, the trip to the Kyobo bookstore, which was the one bookstore that had um, English reading material. Oh, wow. And so an English magazine, whether it was British or American, you really couldn't get Canadian ones okay. at that time, um, would easily cost like $20. And it was a real treat. And once you were finished with it, you handed it around to all your friends. If I did a, a weekend trip, that in-flight magazine would have the same kind of importance. So the, the magazine us. that you got on the plane, yes, is, is that okay? Yeah, that would be really exciting to come home and and bring home a United magazine or something sure. like that. <laughs> so um, it's different now um, in Korea. I think there's a lot more English uh, material in general there, especially where I used to live. But um, I think because of that, I have this love for magazines. So in terms of my approach, usually I look at the cover, think about, oh, okay, that's an article I want to get to. And then I kind of just open it up. I often will start, sometimes look at the table of contents, but usually I'll start at the middle and then work my way around. You know, it's funny. um, You mentioned your mother, who is my mother-in-law, Valerie. I love going to see her because of the fact that I get to peruse 
her magazines that I would otherwise not see. It's true. Including Southern Living. One of her favorites is Southern Living. Yes. Southern Cuisine. Yep. AARP. Yeah. And what are the other magazines that she, she has? She does a lot of decor magazines. Yes. And then... Because they're retirees in Florida, even this year they've had very little to do. So because they're retirees in Florida, they do read a lot. Yes, they do. That's a big activity for them is reading. They've always read a lot, though. Yeah, and we as kids read a lot. We were always encouraged to read. If there was a book series I liked, like I I got deeply into Nancy Drew when I was probably 10, 11, um, they very much encouraged it. They would go okay. out. They didn't wait for a birthday or Christmas. They would go out and say, mm-hmm. okay, let's go buy you that book, whatever Ar- the archaeology next book. Archaeology today. So, is so what I was going to say is that those are my dad's magazines right. that we have gotten him. So Money Magazine, Archaeology Magazine. Um, um, flea Market Magazine. Or something. The, that one I like. I mm-hmm. think I'm going to have to subscribe to that. I, I picked that up the other day and mm-hmm. thought, oh, I need to subscribe to this. Um, yeah, he has, a, he has a different Flea Market Magazine. And then um, the Smithsonian Magazine. Oh, that's right. He, Smithsonian. he loves that one. Yeah. Doesn't he have like an angler magazine, some sort of fishing or sailing? Sailing. sailing. Yes. Sailing that probably magazine. was me too. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to know what to get anyone's parents. So magazines are the gift that gives all year round. For sure, for sure. So now I want to ask... How do you approach magazines is what I wanted to ask you. <clears throat> That's a great question. I think I um, look at the cover and see if there's articles that I like mm-hmm. that are going to appear in there or the, the front page, you know, mm-hmm. the page that gives you the, the list, the index, if you will. And then I will flip through the entire magazine to see if there's any eye-catching photos that, that'll cause me to pause okay. and look there. Okay. And then I'll go back and I'll read the articles that may have caught my eye in the index. Okay. And then if there's short ones, I'll tend to really glance at those. Okay. And then usually if you're reading, I'll ask you to tell me what you just read. You like to read over my shoulder. That's the best way to read. not everybody would love, but I don't mind it. Yeah. Or I get you to tell me what you just read. That's (laughs) my favorite way to magazine is to have someone else reiterate what they just read, which sometimes drives people crazy. Yeah. I don't always need to tell you about, you know tips to protect your joints or whatever but i love them oh another magazine that i love is the costco magazine it's one of my favorite magazines Does that now i wonder if a magazine that is selling one product counts as a magazine well first of all it sells many products well, well, secondly yes. it does have articles in there that i do appreciate I, and I, I just wonder that with the aarp magazine i mean ultimately it's everything i get the caa Magazine, which is like AAA. Yeah, which is the automotive um, magazine for anyone who's listening in parts of countries that don't have CAA or AAA. It is, if you have that service, if you are found on the roadside and you have a problem with your car or you can't start your car, you just call up this organization yeah. and they, they must, will come. They must have in Europe something oh, I'm sure. that resembles it. I don't but know. But we have listeners all over, so who knows if in mm, the Philippines or in sure. Bahrain they have that. So I just want to clarify it for our listeners because they'll be like, oh, I'm not sure. I what don't that remember is. AAA when I was in the Philippines. Right. But, so there you go. But yeah, if you, it's great if you've locked your keys out of the car. That's not really a problem these days. But right. when I first joined again 20 years ago, um, I uh, my good friend Lois, who had to UCAA this week, she said, as soon as you get a car, even if you don't have a car, actually, she had me on it before I even had a car. Oh, really? Yeah, because I was driving company cars. Oh, I see. And she said for the $100 or whatever it is a year, 
get it because if you lock your keys in the car even once, you'll be happy that you have it. You have someone to call who will then just show up and help you out. Uh, and she needed it this week. She needed her battery. Getting your battery started is a real thing in Canada, right? So I guess that's another approach you have, how to approach mm. dealing with situations that might arise with your vehicle. I mean, the... it's it's like extended insurance. Sure. Which is funny because I don't always buy the insurance policies. Right. But I'm the person that would. It's only because of a lot of learning and cost figuring that I don't. But I'm certainly the person that, you know, in my 20s, if they said, do you want the extended warranty, I would sign up for all of them. So what is your approach to learning? And I hate to provoke you with that, but I'm just curious. <laughs> what is your approach? Um, I am not by nature the most organized person. And so because of that, I try very hard to be organized. Okay. Um, I'm very organized I because know. I'm not an organized person. And I tend to use a lot of highlighters you and do. colors and uh, squiggly font. In I, your uh, other podcast, uh, one of your other podcasts, Eat and Drink, I know Ali is always teasing you about your highlighters and your all your highlighters. <laughs> highlighters are meant to be used and yeah. so I use you them. You have a bag everywhere you go of highlighters. I do. It's right here too. Yeah. It's buried under all these markers if you can see. <laughs> it's buried a... under other highlighters. <laughs> kind of. Um my approach to learning is a great question, and I don't know that I have an answer mm -hmm. for it. I, I, I'll throw it back to you. Do you have an approach to learning? Here's my approach. If I enjoy what I'm learning, mm. I'm all in. Right. If what I'm learning is not for me, then I will just work my th way through it. In other words, I will just sort of repeat things back to the <laughs> to the workshop leader or the teacher in this case that they want to hear. Mm -hmm. To make it seem like I'm listening, but really I'm just distracted in other things. So my approach, I think, I'm always going to be an immersive person. I want to be in all in. That's, yes. That's who I am and how I am, and and I come by it naturally. My family has shades of that. I know my uncle said to me once, he's like, I'm all in or I'm all out. And he would become an expert in one thing for like five years. The best saxophone player, the best stockbroker in his case. Uh, and then be bored of it, the, the best basketball coach. Right. Um, so for me, I see shades of that in myself, but I don't know that I want to be that person because I do believe that slow and steady wins the race. And my biggest accomplishments have been the slow burns. Right. So um, that said, I am that person by nature. So I do want to immerse myself in the material as much as possible. I tend to want to ask a lot of questions I, my approach to learning often is, um, this is a weird word to use, but adversarial. Yes, I see that in you. And what that means is, you know, I'm constantly, to use the word you use, provoking. Mm -hmm. If I hear something and I don't fully agree with it, I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say, but what about this and what about that? So I tend to, to provoke. I tend to pick away at something. Um, it helps me understand more. Um, I think it comes, I, I have that approach for a few reasons, but one, I was a debater in, I was a debater in high school. I was a very good debater at that time. So She still is a good debater. We, we debated <laughs> But I don't win things. <laughs> the um, difference between pencil crayon 
and colored pencil. Which, by the way, is a Canadian-American debate because they're the same things. Pencil crayon is what we say in Canada. And we call them colored pencils. I'm curious to know what you call them. So if you can send us a little message, whether it be on Twitter or Instagram or even an email, we'll get back to the <laughs> pencil crayon colored pencil debate. Debate. Um, I don't remember what I was saying. Oh, I ask questions. So I tend to, I want to see if you hold up a fact or an, let's just pick another noun. If you hold up an apple sure. in the light, I want to see every angle of that apple. I don't take it at face value. I need to test that theory. I need to look at all the things because in debating, that's what we were asked to do. Sure. And often with a topic. And I'll just bite that apple. <laughs> it would be, you know, be it resolved that commercials on TV should be abolished or something. And so, you know, your first instinct, you have a first instinct that is, no, that's wrong. Or yes, that's right. I agree with it. You have your natural instinct. And what a debater does is they look at all sides of it so that you really, and at the end, if you're still in the same where you started, you may be where you started with, or maybe you aren't, but at least you know you fully developed your ideas about this thing. So that's, that is how I approach learning if I'm really truthful about it. I don't know that I've ever sat and thought about it like that, but I do know that I do that. And that's where I go. When people say, what are your thoughts? I immediately look for the things that I don't understand, the holes, the loopholes, the problems. Sure. And I go for those. Okay. So turning things a little bit on its head, Mm. how do you approach a bath? I recently read (laughs) that people who take baths tend to fall asleep quicker. Really? Yeah, so I was curious I will fall about asleep that. after one for sure quicker. That's, that's what they say, yeah. Yeah, I, I do. But my problem is, or not problem, my thing is I love them so much that I don't always wait to the end of the day. Like, if it was a day where I was out at the office all day, working, doing various things that I do, then a bath is my perfect way to come home and unwind. If I have dinner in an oven or something, then I'll I'll, I'll get that started and go up and take the bath, have dinner, and then go to bed. But sometimes it's I have dinner and then take the bath. Now, when you approach a bath, do you approach it with Epsom salts or those bally things that fizz in the water? What are they bath called? Bath bombs? Yeah. Um, I will say a bath helps me digest. Oh. That's a thing. Okay. I, If I've had a big meal, I want to take a bath because I do feel like it helps me digest. I don't know why that is, but I do. I know they always said don't swim after you've eaten or something, but I don't find that. I find water helps me digest. Um, But um, how do I approach a bath? I like to get into the tub right at the beginning. So before it's full? Yes. So you fill in the tub. I like it filling with me in the tub for a lot of reasons. I see. I don't like to draw a bath and step into it. That's not who I am. Okay. Uh, the anticipation of the joy of the bath is as good as the bath itself. I see. And so ever since I was a child, I like to get into a big old cold tub and then start the water so that it feels warm on my toes first. And then eventually I know I'll be warm all over. Wow. That's fascinating. <laughs> I know. Now, it's what it's about... weird because most people like to draw it and then get in. Sure. And what about those things like Epsom salt, bath salts? Or, I'll add or those, but bombs. none of those, in terms of enjoyment for the bath. They don't factor it's in? Only, those things only mean that I'm committed to a long bath. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> 
So if I have a bath bomb, I better enjoy the water. I don't want to just throw a bath bomb in and then 15 minutes later get out or 20 minutes later get out uh, because I've turned the water a weird shade of orange or something. Okay. Yeah. Well, from bath, let's find out your approach. How do you approach a bath? I approach it by turning the tap on and taking a shower. <laughs> I'm more of a shower person. I like to take long showers. I can't imagine living without a bathtub. That's not, that's a, I have done it, but I always do it for a limited time. Mm-hmm. When we, when we were working in Vancouver, uh, we had a shower only. Oh, that's right. But we yeah. had a hot tub outside. Uh, oh, I forgot it, about that. It was yeah. a shared accommodation. So it wasn't like I was in it all the time, but right. knowing we had it made a difference. And, um, and then on the cruise ship, we had a tiny little shower between the two of us. And uh, sometimes I'll sit down in the shower just to pretend it's a bath. <laughs> no, I'm, a, I'm more of a shower person. Mm. Baths, I can take or leave. If this house had no bathtub, would you be okay? I think so. Yeah. You know, I only like to hop in the bath if I've been cold. Mm-hmm. So from shoveling snow or, you know, being outside for a great period of time, I'll take a bath. Yeah, nothing will get me warm like a bath. Yeah. There are baths, there are tubs that you can buy if you only have a shower. So if I only had a shower, yes, I would buy one of those portable, I don't know how good they are, but portable pop-up tubs. What? Like, I've it's never a heard big, of this. I'll show you one. It's a big plastic thing. Okay. You can get it on, you know, on wherever you get things. Right. Um, but it, it folds into a flat thing, kind of like a baby tub. Okay. And then you can pop it open and, and it How expands. do you get the water out of it? You drain it in the shower. Oh, so you put it in the shower. Yeah, or somewhere you can get the water into it anyway. And then you can get into it, and then you drain it. Oh, I I didn't. You just need the storage for the big plastic thing. I see. I see. Speaking of shoveling snow, Mm. how do you approach those winter activities, like taking snow off your car or shoveling snow or things like that? By dreaming of the sun. I see. (laughs) That's a good way. Uh, I like to have the car going. If all things are equal, then right. I'll have the car going for a while before I go out there. That tends to loosen up the ice underneath. If if you're not used to shoveling out your car, which unfortunately for us we are, you can't just get the snow off if there's ice underneath, which there often is. Because if the car was warm and it was snowing, all of that snow is going to first melt onto the car, right? cover it in water, and then it's going to freeze back up again. So you have a layer so of ice. So you have ice. a layer. Of, you often with snow will have a layer of ice underneath. Unless your car was cold at the time of yeah. the snowfall, yeah. then you wouldn't necessarily have ice unless it was wet snow off the top. Which sometimes it is. Yeah, About so. half the time I would say it is for us. So um, to scrape that ice, you need a good scraper. But, um, you know, you, it's better if the car is warm first. Is it called a scraper? What is that thing called? Ice scraper, yeah. But what about the telescopic one we have that is a brush on one side, scraper on the other? Still an ice scraper, yeah. You brush off the snow, uncover the ice, and then then you have to try and get under the ice to to pry it off. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, it's better if it's warm because the ice that's been warmed is going to pop out. So quicker. you'll you'll actually turn on the heat on the inside of the car yeah. to help heat up the and windows. And defrost the yeah. windows if I can. But, I mean, you don't always have that luxury. No. We often don't. I mean, because that would mean leaving the keys in our car, which is not where we are, a good choice. Because people 
all the time see cars that are started in driveways. And yeah, but that's only if, you, if you're going to start your car, you should be near your car at the time of. You should, but some people aren't. Some people can start it with the doors locked. Right. If you have a fancy car, we just don't. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. What about shoveling the walkway, driveway, way of any sort? My approach is to let you do it. That's right. <laughs> so tell us about your approach in shoveling. Well, it's a great it's a great question. Where does one start? So usually if I'm shoveling our front, let's mm-hmm. say, I'll shovel a path for myself from my front door mm-hmm. down the steps to the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do the sidewalk first. Okay. And I'll sort of work my way towards um, – I like to do patterns mm-hmm. and straight line patterns, mm-hmm. generally speaking. So I won't do the whole half-moon scoop. That's not for me. Not the half-moon scoop. I don't, I'm not a half-moon scooper. I prefer the straight ahead and okay. plow okay. method, right? So I'll I'll walk straight. I'll push my shovel straight. When the shovel is full, mm-hmm. I will lift the snow from the shovel and empty it into a pile, most likely in front of our house, mm-hmm. and then continue that way. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do that all the way, and then I will go back and make sure it's very clear because sometimes you'll leave little patches or mm-hmm. there's this type of snow that will pack underneath what you've just shoveled uh-huh. and leave a layer of packed snow. I yeah. don't know how to describe that for anyone who hasn't experienced it. but Like the icy, crusty snow? No, like a packed, hard snow. Okay. So you have to kind of pry at it with the shovel. Right. So then I'll clear that, and then I will go back from whence I came mm-hmm. and clear the steps. Because I feel like if you approach the steps from the bottom versus the top, you get a better clean of it. Really? Yeah. Why? You just do. I feel like from the top. You would wouldn't the argument be start at the top so you're not treading over old ground? That's because I shovel as I leave. So I leave myself a a, a pathway of shoveled and then I I go from the bottom to the top and I remove the rest on either oh, side. Oh, so you it's do hard. you do the pre-shovel. I do a pre-shovel followed by a fine-tuned shovel. The reason I say it's easier from the bottom is because you can really get in the side corners of the steps mm-hmm. easier from below than above. I see. Then what I'll do, once all that is done, depending on what our snowfall looks like, mm-hmm. or if there has been ice on the bottom what I've, sh- what I've shoveled, because there can be icy snow or ice if, once again, the snow has fallen wet mm-hmm. and then frozen there. I will take a de-icer of some sort. And usually we don't use salt anymore. We use a, a de-icer that is good for the environment or good or, or not harmful, better, I should yeah. say, better for the environment. And I will throw it on our steps and on the sidewalk so no one slips as they approach our mm-hmm. home. And that's my approach to shoveling. Mm-hmm. And I would have to say that my approach to the um, car situation is similar to yours, but I always ensure that if I'm going to be clearing off the snow of the car, that our windshield wiper is off. Yeah. Because it'll freeze, to, and you don't always do that. And I didn't ever do that, but I, I think people who aren't used to this type of winter that we have wouldn't understand what you mean. So what he means is he pulls the windshield wipers. When he leaves the car at night, say, he pulls the windshield wipers forward so they're jutting straight out perpendicular to the car. In other words... They are no longer functional as 
windshield wipers. They're not on the glass in any way. They jet straight up. Yeah, they're not touching the glass in no. any way. They're just like little, little, little arrows. Yeah, little arrows pointing yeah. straight up. Yeah, that's so, um, but to do that's a good idea, a good approach because what you can't do when you have ice and snow like we have, even though you are want to do it, you get in your car. Maybe you've had it going. Maybe you've checked your messages or whatever. So you've sat in a a snow-covered, and I've been guilty of this many times, but you sit in your snow-covered vehicle that's encased in snow, and you think, okay, it'll it'll just warm up a bit. I'll just hit the defrost a bit, and then I can use the windshield wipers to wipe the snow away. It's not a good plan because most often they can't. The snow's too heavy for us anyway. Like or, I said, this is, we're not talking about a light dusting. Right. We're talking the, about real winter. The windshield wiper is adhered to the window with ice. With ice is is more than, I would say, at least half the times the case. Yes. So you cannot do that uh, unless, unless it's a light snow, then you can. Because if you do, you will damage your windshield wiper yeah. because it will try and to... And we have, pry, and, and we I have, have. Yes. I have, I have. Mm-hmm damaged it because you it's so much easier to hit a button and hope that it might work than to go out get yourself covered in snow because that's the other thing when you have to dig around at a windshield your arms you know obviously you have all your gloves and things on but you come back into the car completely covered you're like the abominable snowman like you're covered in snow which then means you're covered in wet once it melts in the car Mm -hmm. you know it's a real thing that's why the telescopic scraper is so great. Yeah, it, it is. Because it allows you not to get as covered. I've seen ads for a circle, a circular scraper. Yes. They make it look really good and effective in the ads. I don't know if it is, but I would like to try it. I've seen the um, ad for a scraper that is heated so that when, oh it, when, it, touches the, yeah, when it touches the that's a great the idea. ice, it melts it but immediately. It feels very technical, like the ice would wipe it out in one... That's the one you're. Then you don't want to use it because you don't want to break it because well, you spent fifty dollars on it. The other thing is you have a good to ha- scraper is from a gas station and you spent six dollars. That's right. Um, I think you have to charge that one up for yeah, it to no be one's effective. No that. one's going to do that. Well, <laughs> thank you, Amanda, for your approach today because we've come to the end of this podcast. And uh, thank you. Approaching magazines, baths, and ice scraping. Yes. Who would have thought? <laughs> and learning. Well, listen, thank you all for joining us. We hope you were able to listen to this episode and sleep.